1: Jeez. Recorded live.
0: Hi, everybody. This is the mixed experience, and I'm your host, Heidi DeRoe. This is the only live weekly show about being racially and culturally mixed, brought to you by a mixed chick who has mixed thoughts on a mixed up world. I am super excited today. We have our first roundtable discussion here on the mixed experience this season, and we're talking about being mixed and Irish and some of the many different ways that that experience plays out in all of those stories, uh, I, I can't wait for you to meet our guests. Before I introduce them very briefly, I wanted to mention a couple of things. I know you've heard it before if you've listened to the podcast, but just here one more time, I have a labor of love. It's called the Mixed Remixed Festival, and it's happening June 13th, 2015, at the Japanese American National Museum in downtown Los Angeles, and it's totally free. It's free for real. Uh, there's even wine and cheese, free, and dessert, free, films and books. <laughs> uh, not the books aren't free, but the readings are free, and the workshops, there's a writing workshop with, Jamie for the New York Times bestseller, all free. We really want you to join us, uh, so come on out. It's free. Did I mention that? Uh, go to www.mixedremix.org and register. We need to know you're coming. We need to know how much free stuff we've got to get to give away. Uh, so it's really important that you register. And then also, just thank you to everyone who donated to our Indiegogo campaign. We not only met our goal of $10,000, we surpassed it. We're going to try to tackle some of those stretch goals. Uh, We made just a little over $12,000 in that fundraising campaign. That doesn't go very far, unfortunately, but it does start us down the road on expanding the festival, hopefully to two or three days next year. So stay tuned on that. Okay, so today we have some really Fabulous, amazing guests. Uh, This is kind of an offshoot of a panel that they did back in March for the St. Patrick's Day uh, event, I guess. It was part of the Irish Crossroads Festival in the Bay Area. I wasn't able to attend, but it just sounded so fascinating. And our guests are all um, mixed writers, also of Irish descent. We have uh, with us today three of four. I think we may have a fourth one still. But I wanted to introduce to you um, who we have on the line right now. It's Dylan Amaro McIntyre, who is a poet. I want to say more about him and peanut butter and macadamia butter and <laughs> how it's ruining his life, but you'll have to read his bio to get that information. We have Caroline Mylin Marr, whos born and raised in the Bay area and she also is a writer uh, who's of a mixed Irish background, and she's a re- recent graduate of the MFA program for writers at Warren Wilson College, which is a really fabulous program. And, and then we have someone I have been trying to connect with for years, and I don't know why we haven't connected in person yet, so this is a, a really wonderful treat. Uh, we have Stephen Murphy Shigematsu, uh, he's an Irish Japanese psychologist, and he teaches at Stanford. He's a really wonderful writer. He wrote a book called When Half is Whole, and he blogs for Psychology Today. I'm so excited to have all of these guests on the line today. Uh, welcome, guys.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Hi.
0: Okay. <laughs> Yay. All right, so um, I guess one by one, um, Stephen, can we start with you, and then we'll do Dylan and then Caroline. You have to answer the first question, which is the traditional first question here at the Mixed Experience. Um, and no cheating, by the way. First answer is always right. What are you?
3: I, <laughs> great. Great question. I am Japanese, American, Irish, uh, male, father, son, grandson, teacher, <laughs> professor, writer.
4: <laughs> nice. you,
0: didn't, you didn't practice that I'm surprised that's awesome <laughs> Dylan you're up next
2: uh I'm Mexican and Irish uh but not to go on a little micro rant but I really hate um labels I just think when you distill your identity down to a series of labels you cease to be like the beautiful unnamed thing that you are and you become the six-fold simple thing you present and uh I'm Mexican Irish for the purposes of the conversation, but um, uh, I change day to day. I don't know.
0: I totally love that. Um, one of the things that I always talk about is that for me, when I, people ask me that, which is almost on a daily basis, I, you know, the answer changes. It's quite, it's fluid and it's organic, and it depends on the moment and my mood and whether or not I feel a little feisty about <laughs> the whole situation. Kind of like. It raised your hackles today. Uh, but the effort is really to try to, like, raise the awareness of how what an awkward question that is. And there are so many wonderful right answers to it that can't even be captured in, in any kind of moment or essay. Anyway, that's yeah. my rant. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Caroline, you're up. All right. Um, well, I, I'm i someone who appreciates both of your uh or all of your perspectives on even answering that question, for sure. Um, I think uh, it depends who asks me how hard of a time I give them. But for the purposes of this, I can answer with what I used to answer with when I was a kid and had just learned fractions. I am half Chinese, seven-sixteenths Irish, and one-sixteenth German.
0: Wow, that that's some serious math for a kid.
1: <laughs> I was I was very ambitious about my question. Well,
0: that no. So this is really great. I was excited to do this talk because I don't know if this is something that gets talked about a lot. I'm wondering uh, what was the genesis of the original panel that you did uh, in the Bay Area back in March, and why was it necessary?
1: Well, I, I guess I can answer that. Um, so Claire Ransaran, who's uh, not on the podcast right now, really was the one who originated this idea. And I think the impetus for her was that she attended the, the Crossroads Irish American Festival um, a couple of years ago. And I think for her, it sparked a great sense of belonging and being reminded of um, her growing up in, uh, in England and her mother's. Irish, um, and so feeling like she was in some ways around family and around community, and then also for her being mixed um, Irish and Indo-Guyanese, she was thinking about, well, where where is the place for me in this, and how can we have a broader conversation about what Irishness is? And then over the course of a couple of years, finally with the folks who coordinate the event, was able to put together something, and they were really excited um, about hosting the panel and very eager to expand the conversation about Irishness. And so Claire just did a great job of bringing together a group of folks, um, you know, through various events and connections that she had uh, to each of us. You know, I think I met Dylan when he was like a guest poet at the high school that I teach at. So we just sort of all came together um, in a way that, made it possible for us to have a really interesting conversation.
0: Now, I, I mean, I love that idea. I am um, Afro-Viking. I'm half uh, African-American and half Danish. <laughs> and so whenever I'm around Danish people, I, I actually follow them in New York City because there seem to be a lot of tourists where I live, and I kind of listen to their language, and I feel like, oh, that's home place. But mm-hmm. but like Claire had that feeling, there still is that other piece of it. And I'm wondering for any of you guys, have you been looking for that place where that landscape that mixed and Irish belongs in? Was this the first time, or, or how how do you access um, putting together those identities normally?
3: Well, this is Stephen. For me, it was quite a surprise and a first time experience because I had always in any mixed context, I was mixed Asian or mixed Japanese. And so to to think of um, the idea of being mixed Irish was something completely new. Uh, and so I was I was interested in it. I thought, well, this is something I n- had never thought of myself as mixed Irish. And it had always been, I think, growing up in a context of where there were other Irish-Americans, it was always the salient feature was that i was uh asian and so that's what set me apart and that's what helped to define my identity and then living in japan and being in japanese american asian american context uh that was always i was always in relation to those asian contexts rather than an irish one and so to to think of myself in that way as being mixed irish was something completely new
0: Well, I'm wondering, was it a pushback just within yourself that you didn't necessarily identify that way, or did you find it in the community? I mean, for me, let me explain where I'm coming from with this question. When people ask me, you know, what I am, like I said earlier, I will usually say African American and Danish, because my mother is from Denmark, and um, I identify culturally that way, because I speak the language and grew up with traditions and um, have family there and, and visit Denmark quite frequently still. And so for me, I never claim whiteness as part of my identity. It, is that part of the conflict in your, in the ways in which you might identify more with Irishness in your mixed identity as well?
3: Yeah, very strongly. I think it was growing up in, in a white context uh, in which I was clearly told by others often who were irish that i was not you know that i was different and so that became important i think for me to define who i was to accept that and say okay well if you're telling me i'm not white i'm not irish then then i will define myself you know and respect myself according to what i am and that was in being asian uh, and so i think my identity formed a lot because of that in in somewhat in opposition to you know, what I was Mm -hmm. being told.
0: Dylan, I I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, or Caroline?
3: Yeah, uh, this is Dylan. Um,
2: I definitely felt a personal pushback um, towards what you were talking about in your question. Um, I mean, I first came to understand my Irish through my father, which was natural considering he's where I got my Irish from, but ultimately unfortunate due to the type of man he was, um, his character kind of echoed and amplified the the worst aspects of Irish culture. He was an excessive drinker, a really violent person. And me and my mom left him at at age seven. And from that point on, my family experience was 100% Mexican. And my social experience at school in the neighborhood was mostly with black people. And so between, like, daddy issues and then the reality of... What I was living i uh i I was very disconnected from my irish side um and didn't didn't really care to explore it at first and so the earliest um, sense of identity that I took on was largely focused on my mexican um and my Irish side became very hard for me to reconcile, and the process of reconciling it was lifelong and led right up to the panel and is largely what I spent the panel talking about.
0: And, and so, what I mean, it, it sounds like that was a really cathartic moment for you to be able to claim that identity, even with all of the difficulty um, and trauma in claiming that identity. How, how, how do you identify now? I mean, where are you in the spectrum of, of saying who you are and who you claim
2: um well i mean a long time before the panel i did reconcile the sides of myself i never it never sat well with me um you know if you ever take an ethnic studies class there's that moment in the beginning of class where they ask people how they identify and you get really weird answers where people are like well um, you know two-thirds german and one-third Portuguese, but I, I just identify as Portuguese. It always seems silly to me to identify as something other than you are. Um, and so, like, it was important for me to reconcile the side of me that I wasn't as close to, and that was that happened a long time before the the panel happened. Um, and largely was a process of diving headfirst into Irish history, um, learning it from afar because I didn't have that close family experience to learn it from firsthand. But what I ended up finding was a lot to be proud of and a very significant amount of parallels that directly related back to what I already knew from the Mexican experience and my Mexican history, just in terms of colonization and resisting that colonization and the immigrant experience. And... Um, i I mean there 's a lot that I spent a lot of the panel um talking about, but it, the more I learned about Irish history and culture and people, the more it just sort of fit with what I already understood about the side of my ancestry that I was very close to, and it my identity became a less fragmented experience and a lot easier to understand and accept. but when I say it led right up to the panel my my Irish, my grandmother on my Irish side had gone into hospice like a few weeks before the panel. So I had gone down to spend time with her and met a whole lot of Irish family members that I'd never met before, hadn't seen in 20 years, and kind of got this crash course in that side of my family history that, as unfortunate as the circumstances were, just seemed sort of serendipitous with what the panel was. Uh, Based around. Oh,
0: I just I love that story. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. That and also um, it's such a powerful way of um, talking about the way you come into identity. And I I really relate to that a lot because I well I didn't know that black people were black people until I was 11, which you know is a weird thing. But I lived mostly overseas, so I was kind of sheltered from America's ideas of race for a long time. And in the same way that you came into knowing about Irish history and understanding that I, I, I read myself into African American culture and history, like book after book after book. And and I was like, oh that is me. That is me too. Um so I want to talk about this more, about the way we enter our identities through story, but I think we have Claire on the line now, and I just wanted to get her take on it. Hi, Claire, is this you? Hi, Heidi. Hi, I'm so glad you're able to join us. You you came on at just the right time. We're talking about the ways in which um, our panelists here today kind of experience either pushback within themselves or from the community from ident- identifying as Irish And I'm wondering how your experience might be different because you didn't grow up in the United States and being Irish in the U.S. means something different than being Irish um, in England.
4: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think when I came here, um, I felt that the attitude towards people being Irish felt a lot more affectionate here than maybe it does in England because I think there's been a different history and when I was growing up, there was quite a lot of antagonism towards irish people um so in a way, it pushes you towards that identity because because you feel protective of it or something if there's a part of your identity that's kind of being pushed back against or sometimes attacked in a society, I think for me it definitely push you know pushes my buttons to kind of start identifying that way and in, in order to protect it a bit, I guess.
0: And did you identify yourself as Irish when you were growing up there, when you lived there?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, kind of, I think I went through different phases because I was there to, basically, in Catholic education up until I was 16. And, like, most of my classmates were of Irish heritage. I would say, I don't know, like 70 or 80% or something like that. Um, So I was in a kind of, like, irish identifying group within england um so so in some ways i really identified as irish because i was surrounded by people who were you know second generation immigrants from of people from ireland but then of course race stuff would come up around you know the other parts of my ethnicity so again i think it i was fairly fluid at that age i mean and probably still am now um so again, I think, you know, when there were things that were happening to make me feel proud of being Irish, I would identify that way. Or if I was trying to protect the identity, I'd identify that way. But then I guess if things came up about race and racism, then I'd probably swing the other way as well. One of the stories I always tell is um, when I was at school, we used to get these little notices to take home and they would sort of say, we're having a race meeting on such and such a day. And I'd be really pleased because I'd think, oh, that's really good because, you know, racism is a really big problem and I'm really glad that the school is addressing it and pulling all the parents together. And then just at some point I kind of realized that the meetings were about horse racing. They were nothing nothing to do with race or racism or people addressing it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's something different
4: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, but I think
4: sometimes when you're you're mixed, you kind of become very aware of race, and you're kind of it's the way in which you're seeing the world, and it's it's just that kind of expectation that everybody else is doing the same thing when sometimes they're not.
0: Right, um, Caroline, you didn't get to answer this question about uh, how much you were feeling like you were allowed to or given permission to identify with your Irishness. Um, I've already forgotten the fraction behind it at this point, but, but
1: how, what,
0: what was your experience with that? Was this something, obviously you were allowed to say what your fraction was, but it was, was it an identity you were allowed to take on or wanted to take on?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, in a lot of ways, it was definitely an identity that I wanted to take on. So my mother's side of the family is the Irish-American side. Um, and I think identified very strongly as my grandparents, you know, were Irish-American um, and and yet somehow, like, not very connected to Ireland, right? There's a, there's a sort of – we've been in the country for many generations, and there's sort of this narrative, like Claire said, there's a fondness or affinity for Irish folks in America now, perhaps not so much uh, when my ancestors first immigrated. Um, But I think that there was something about that, about, like, the struggle, how hard it was for people, you know, that, like, nobody wanted to hire the Irish and that that was a point of, like, solidarity or shared identity between these two immigrant communities that I was coming from. Um, On the Chinese side, the immigration history was much more recent. It had been my grandparents who immigrated. Um, my father was born and raised in the U S. Um, so I think there was a way that it was like pretty accessible because it was talked about in our family. And then I think there's a very real way that at least as a kid growing up, right. Whiteness is definitely something in the United States, right. Because race is a social construct and all these things. Um, it is totally privileged, and so being Irish, even if it was this oppressed or other identity that had this like glorious history of like struggle and anti-colonialism, was also still a, a point of access, and because my mother was the white one, right, and I was... Um, I was a daughter and I, I wanted to look like her and I wanted to be like her and I do not look like my mother. she's um, you know, <laughs> got blonde hair and blue eyes and lots of freckles and I look like, exactly like my father. Um, and so I think that there was a way that I, I wanted that. I, I was mad that my parents hadn't given me both last names and that I wasn't also a McDonough in addition to being a Mar, um, you know, at various points. But I think there were also ways that it, it felt, really accessible or really normal to me to be both or to be able to have the and. Because my best friend growing you know, growing up in the Bay Area, my best friend all through elementary school was not only also mixed, she was also mixed Chinese and Irish. So we just, wow.
4: we were you like a posse. in each other. Yeah.
1: That,
0: that's really not fair. I've only found my posse in the last few years since I've published <laughs> my book and like all the mixed race Danes have come out to me. We're like 18 now, half <laughs> half black, half Danish people in the world.
1: Yay. <laughs> Okay, well, so we could go
0: on forever, but I, I do want to continue the conversation and get some more of your voices in here. You're all writers, um, and this seems hugely important to me because I'm a writer as well. And I, I, I'm wondering, wondering, what role does your writerness play in your, in, in your mixed race identity? Like why? What's the relationship between the two, two, I guess?
1: Uh, I can answer first, I (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I think this is something I've thought about a lot. Uh, Identity plays a huge role for me in my writing, Uh, and I don't think just about race, but I think about a lot of things. And I, I think some of that may have to do with growing up mixed and being a mixed person in America and thinking a lot about race and its implications and and what it means. Um, And then I think too, it's probably also influenced by the fact that I'm a woman, that I'm queer, right? Identity is something that I have thought about a lot um, and is important to me. So it comes up constantly in my poetry, not necessarily mixedness specifically, although that comes up as well. Um, But I think I'm constantly Asking questions about what it means to be something, anything, to identify as, uh, and yeah. and what all of that means.
0: Yeah, I, I I absolutely relate to that on so many levels. That that it has to be present in the work because you're still trying to articulate what what it is, what what this is, what this identity is, and the complexity of it through through words. Um, Stephen, wh- what I mean, you're, you're a scholar as well, but you're also someone who blogs and writes about this issue. Uh, why, why write about it? Uh, aren't we in a post-racial America? Uh, isn't everyone mixed now, and and we're done?
3: Right. We don't really need <laughs> to have this conversation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: uh, telling me apparently like oh come on Heidi everyone's mixed what what are you talking about like what what's the what's the deal why why are you talking about this why are yeah. we talking about this
3: well i did start like you said as a scholar and that was my uh the way i was able to first really write about myself and i realized how much even writing indirectly about myself there was a way in which i was helping uh, i think to understand my identity and uh and I think that's continued as I've moved away from more traditional academic type writing uh into more of uh purely storytelling I think that that uh, continues to be a way of clarifying and it also becomes a way of uh i think connecting with the different parts of myself but also that in the same way it um it helps me to connect with uh, other people in the sense that when I first started this, it seemed like a very narrow focus of this small group of people who were identified as mixed race. And the more I've, uh, you know, talked with people over the years from different types of backgrounds and the more I've shared these stories, the more I've heard from others is that it, they can uh, un- resonate with the themes of the stories, even if the specifics are mixed race. That there's some element in which in all of us in which we feel fragmented or divided or unrecognized or invisible or uh, or disconnected and that from ourselves and different parts of ourselves and from others and so the whole theme for me of mixed race has become moved from a very specific uh, almost self-focused theme to a much broader theme that has connected me to a lot of other people in the world.
0: I I um. Uh, totally like yay and like my hands are in the air going yes 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 exactly because always kind of the information I got from publishers was no one cares about a story about a black Danish girl like there is no demographic for that it's too specific Uh, but exactly what you said Stephen that what people recognize in the stories is this feeling of dislocation of, of being invisible as you said of being marginalized of being an outsider somehow and not fitting into the identities that have been assigned. Um, I, I don't know, Dylan, does your, does your poetry grow out of some of these issues that you have dealt with in your journey toward, uh, bringing your divided self together?
2: Yeah, definitely. At times, um, I tend to write about, mostly about trauma and memory often at the same time. So not always, and, um, family and culture. So, on the family and culture thing, um certainly it has a lot to do with my mixed identity um I also have poems about what I touched on earlier, just trying to reconcile two sides of myself that at least at an earlier age didn't seem to fit um or or didn't didn't make uh as much sense to me as they do now and But I'd write more about trauma and memory um i'm kind of obsessed with with memory um with its unreliable nature with the idea that most of who we are and what we do um derives from like the first four or five years of our life, which we largely forget, and so you spend your whole life kind of following this course of actions that was set into motion by events you largely don't remember, and when those events include trauma, it just becomes all the more complicated and um that sort of That dynamic um, is something I always come back to in my thoughts, in my writing, Um, my life leads me back to it, and so a lot of my writing has to do with trying to parse out who I am by revisiting things that I've forgotten and come back to me, that I've forgotten, and I try and sort of bring back to life on the page, Um, yeah.
0: I'm so interested in that because, I mean, there there are the studies that talk about the ways in which children, um, as young as two, learn racism. Um, what they first learn is difference because they're separating out what's what's this and what's not this, and then they they learn whether you know by by words or deeds or silence what feeling they should have around that and. So it seems so powerful that all, you know, all of our lessons about race are learned so early and then we've got to suffer many many years until we can un- unlearn all of that stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is which is why we're writers, I guess. Um, Claire, what was the reception to the panel? I'm wondering.
4: It was great actually. And um, we had a really good turnout. Uh, and it was I mean, I don't know what other people felt, but I felt it was a real mix Audience, you know, there were younger people, there were older people, um, and I, you know, I think given that we were in an Irish American festival and the events I've been to from that festival before, I felt that the audience was more ethnically mixed than I've seen at that festival before. So that was great because I think it widened out the demographic, and also it just showed that there was an interest in you know, in the community in San Francisco to talk about these issues, to talk about being mixed and being Irish together. And that was part of the way of celebrating this month around, you know, St. Patrick's Day and sort of Irish cultural events. So I thought it was really good. And also the organizers were really enthusiastic about the idea. I mean, I I kind of floated the idea um, with Henry Flynn, who's one of the organizers a couple of years ago, And immediately she was very interested. And it kind of took us a while to get it off the ground. But they were always very, very supportive of of the idea of doing this as part of a kind of Irish cultural celebration. And I'm trying to find out, but I don't know of anything similar in, in that kind of cultural event around the country. So I'd love to, if any of your listeners know of anything similar, I'd love to find out.
1: Yes,
0: please. if you do know of something, please email me at heidi at heidi so I can pass on the information um One of the things I think is really really incredible about that is that um well, I mean, the Irish community doesn't necessarily have to be diverse in, in any sort of way they They even have obama now i guess they they've claimed Obama <laughs> one of the Irish people. <laughs> But joking aside, I mean, I think that's such a wonderful progressive moment. And you see that also with the Japanese community. I read this week that 20% of the Japanese uh, community is now mixed race. And like the Japanese American National Museum in Los Angeles has really embraced making sure that they claim uh, HAPA people, mixed race Japanese as part of the Japanese community because, in fact, they are and in, and in fact, because if they don't the the population dwindles right I mean do you, do you see this possibly as a movement for the Irish community of really saying, hey, you know we're we're actually much more complicated than that um, fuzzy you know sweet stereotype you have of us, or even you know the the, the work stereotype that you have of us We, we actually have a complicated history too
4: mm, yeah, I do see that happening I think. And after organizing this event, I was very aware of, you know, what was going on in that building. Also, people were starting to send me things. So, um, you know, there's a thing on Facebook called Humans of New York, and they they featured, I think, a couple of um, people who may have presented as purely African-American, but actually were half Irish. Like, there was one guy um, who was featured in that, I, do, I'm, I don't remember, recall his name at the moment, but he was talking about, you know, his father was this white Irish guy and he kind of said, oh, he was a bit of a drinker, so that was a bit of a problem going to that stereotype. But then he started talking about his father taking him to Christopher Street in New York in the in the early 70s, which was like, it is a, still is, a gay area. And he was talking about going to kind of like um, gay wedding ceremonies in 1971 in New York taken by his kind of white Irish father. So he kind of said, that he felt that, you know, this, um, as I feel, actually, that often, that when your parents have been in an interracial relationship, they're actually pretty liberal about, you know, other kinds of relationships that are seen as maybe not what society wants. You know, because, like, Carrie, I, I identify as queer and female and all of those, and I kind of feel that my parents and family have been very welcoming and open about me having same-sex relationships, and I think it's partly because they know what it's like to be on the outside in terms of how their relationships are accepted or not accepted by society. Certainly, so that's right. kind of side- sideline. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and there's a mixed in Irish Facebook group that I've been in touch with since this, and, you know, I kind of told them about the event that we did, and they were like, oh, my God, that sounds great. We should have something like that in Ireland or England. And, you know, it just it just feels like that um, both in Ireland and, and in Irish American communities, people are starting to talk more about Irish people who are mixed, and seeing yeah, definitely seeing a lot more of that. Well,
0: I, I think this is a conversation that we could continue to have. I would love to have you all back at some point, perhaps in the fall, um, or even next year if you if you do the event again, to hear what, you know, what the response is ultimately. How many mixed and Irish people come out to you in the next few months (laughs) you guys are like maybe create a whole parallel festival next to the mixed remix festival like that was was kind of awesome actually we've got to figure that out um yeah so we we've run out of time I'm so sorry I I keep talking to all of you so much longer Stephen, Dylan, Caroline, and Claire thanks so much for joining me um their bios are all on the website, themixedexperience.com. Uh, I think their social handle, social media handles, are up there. But if not, I'll, I'll check after the show and get them up there. Uh, but these are these are the folks that you want to keep in touch with and keep this mixed Irish discussion going. It's it's kind of new, right? But it's got to continue. So let's keep it going. Thank you guys for joining me today.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Thank
0: you. Thank you Heidi. Bye bye. Bye.
3: Bye.
0: Bye. Oh my gosh, they're all so great. Um, I've kept them over time, unfortunately, and we've gone long. But it's they have so many different stories and so many fascinating stories. And I mean, think about this. Yeah, people are mixed in Irish. People are mixed in Danish. People are mixed in everything, right? Like, and it's been going on for a long time. And and so why don't we own those stories and let's talk about those stories because they have something to offer in the same way that Stephen said, that the themes resonate beyond the specificity of what was happening with that person. All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, There's no show next Monday because it's Memorial Day, but we have a special bonus episode on Thursday next week at 6 p.m. Eastern. So join me then if you'd like to live or you can always download on iTunes. Thank you, thank you, thank you to is it Joy. Oh my gosh, I, I meant to remember your name. Thank you so much for the review on iTunes. That was so amazingly sweet. If you are a listener and can go online and leave a review on iTunes, I'd very much appreciate it. It helps the ranking of the show on the iTunes site, which means that more people will find it, which means we'll have more people as part of the conversation, which is mean means we'll have more mixed stories, and that's always exciting, right? All right, if you have show ideas, if you have comments, if you have questions, email me at Heidi at com, or find me on Facebook at Heidi Durow, author Heidi Durow, or find me on Twitter at Heidi (sighs) Durow. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm Heidi Durow, your host, and this is The Mixed Experience. I'll talk to you next week. Have a great Memorial Day. Bye-bye.